Turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I'm sorry, John chapter 16. We're actually going to be in John 15. <clears throat> but we're going to start in John 16. John chapter 16, we're just going to read in one verse and then get right into it here the, the, this, this evening. Let's all stand together. John chapter 16, and I want you to read the verse with me out loud together in unison. John chapter 16 and verse 1. Let's read it together. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. Let's read it one more time. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord, for ears to hear. And God, we pray that uh, you'd help us to allow the words of God to sink down into our heart tonight uh, as we look at this subject of being offended. Uh, we're living in a day and age, Lord, where it seems like every little thing ticks somebody off. And uh, people think that they have a right not to be offended. And then uh, the truth is you speak much about that in your word. And uh, we pray, Father, that we would, we would uh, once again just uh, listen to your wisdom versus the world's wisdom and uh, straighten out our thinking on this business of being offended. We pray, Father, that, that you would guide and direct and bless, speak to our hearts. Take the word of God with the spirit of God and minister to us as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. What are these things? Well, these things are the things that he was speaking of in chapter 15. And in chapter 15, he's got his disciples with him and they're heading toward the garden. They're going to the garden of Gethsemane. That means that the soldiers will soon be coming by, be grabbing Jesus, will be taking him in and before Pontius Pilate and soon to be crucified. He's preparing them. He's getting them ready. And He's, he explains the reason why he said all the things that he said in chapter 15. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that, that, uh, that ye should not be offended. Uh, one thing that Christians ought to have is we ought to have thick skin. We are living in a day and age where uh, every little thing seems to, seems to offend people, seems to cause them to uh, think that you're speaking against them. Uh, it has a, a tendency to, um, people have a tendency to take everything personal. Um, and, and I believe, and again, uh, as a society moves away from the Bible and moves away from the God of the Bible, you're going to see this kind of stuff popping up, and it's going to get greater and greater and greater. But it should not be so with us. Now, here's, here's the fact of the matter, okay? We live in this world, amen? I mean, we do. And uh, so, the, so a lot of that stuff has a tendency to affect us. And if you're not real careful, you can find that you, you start getting thin-skinned, you start getting touchy, and you start, little things start bothering you. And, and uh, pretty soon, if you're not careful, 
the, the world looks at us and doesn't see a whole lot of difference between us and what they are. And we ought to be distinctly different than the world in every aspect, uh, and, and particularly in our reactions to things. So what we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at the, the things, there are six things in particular that Jesus brought to their attention that, said, that, that, that pointed to the fact that uh, if they do those things, they should not be offended. And the first thing you find is, is in uh, chapter 15 and verses 4 and 5. It says, Abide in me, Jesus said. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Uh, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing." Uh, the first thing that he, that he addresses is abiding in Christ. And abiding in Christ just simply means to rest in him. It means to dwell or remain in him. It means to, to uh, walk in the, with the Lord and, and to have close fellowship with him. Uh, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Without me, ye can do nothing. Now, honestly, the more that we realize that, that we are not self-sufficient, that we, and, and, and I, I believe things happen in our lives, uh, God allows things. I think he, bring, he more than allows them. Sometimes he just flat brings them right into our lives to show us how desperately we need him because it is so easy for us to get off of that and start becoming very self-reliant. And, uh, and, and God wants us to be uh, absolutely dependent upon him. And one of the ways that we need to be dependent on him is, is in, in our daily walk with him, abiding in him. That's really what it's all about. It's not something that's complicated. It's just simply consciously thinking about God, spending time in his words, spending time in prayer, developing a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I do often, I don't do it every time, but I do it often. When uh, someone comes into me and, and wants some counsel about an, uh, about an area of their life or about a situation or a problem or a difficulty or whatever it might be, or a decision that they have to make, one of the first things I'll ask them is, are you spending time daily in prayer and in reading the Bible? Spending time in the Word of God. That is absolutely essential. Why? Because without Him, we can do nothing. And we absolutely, completely rely on Him. And if you rely on Him, that'll help you. That'll give you some, some uh, thicker skin and uh, help you realize that, uh, that you're frail anyway, so you just need God and uh, we need to make sure that we, we spend that time walking with him on a daily basis. And it's not just having our morning devotions, closing the Bible and being done with it. It's consciously thinking about him and consciously uh, meditating on the things of God throughout the day. One of the things I, uh, we, we really, 
uh, endeavored to do. Uh, sometimes we, we did a good job, and sometimes we, we failed terribly. Uh, but in raising our kids, we tried to take Bible principles and, and uh, hook them to everyday life and point to our kids the, uh, to, to uh, things in the Word of God that had to do with their attitudes, with the attitudes of others, with things going on in the world. And when you do that, what that does is it raises a God consciousness about you where you're thinking about Him uh, throughout the day because you're linking the things that are happening in your life to the things that are found in the Word of God. So the first thing that we need to do to not be offended is, uh, is to abide in Jesus Christ. Have a, have a close walk with him. Second one is found in verses 12 through 17. It says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that... That I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whosoever, uh, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, uh, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Now, again, remember, uh, He's going to the garden. He knows what's ahead. They're still kind of walking in a haze. They still don't really, even though he's told them again and again and again what was going to take place, they just really have not connected the dots. And he knows that after he's gone, they're going to be like sheep thrown to the wolves and that they're going to have to know how to respond properly. And one of the things that he tells them that they need to do is that they just simply need to love one another. They need to love one another. What is love? Love is, is uh, giving uh, without necessarily expecting anything in return. Uh, it's the idea of being a blessing to others and not expecting them to even appreciate the blessing that uh, you might give to them. Uh, one, of the, one of the areas... One of the areas where people get easily offended is when they do something for someone and that person does not recognize uh, the, the, the good that they have done. And true love doesn't let that stop them. True love says, listen, I'm going to give. Whether I get anything in return is immaterial. I know what my responsibility is. And my responsibility is to love others. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, nobody can stop your love but you. You're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that can stop it. And, and uh, if you determine to love somebody, you can love somebody. Love is not an ushy, gushy feeling. Uh, love is a choice. It's something that we decide to do, and it turns into an action, and we are a blessing to others. Over in 1 Corinthians 13, that kind of love that we show toward one another, 
the Bible calls charity. Now, that's, a, that's because that's a specific kind of love. That's, that's one person showing care and love for another, allowing God's love to flow through them toward others. And the characteristics that he gives, and we're not going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, but let me just read to you the characteristics of that kind of love. That kind of love suffers long and returns suffering with kindness. In other words, if someone's nasty to you, you're kind to them in return. Does that describe your love? Uh, it doesn't get jealous. It doesn't get jealous. Uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't sit there and, and get envious over other people. Thinks more of others than, than they do themselves. Uh, put others before themselves. Uh, behaves uh, appropriately, not improper, uh, not, not at, at any time indecent. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I do not have a very high toleration of is pastors that get loose in the lips behind the pulpit and say things that are inappropriate. Say, now I realize every pastor at one time or another has said something that was inappropriate because they just let, you know, they're, they're flesh, we're flesh and we've let things slip. But uh, there's some guys that it's just, it, it's, it's common for them. And that, I have a problem with that. Why? Because love is proper. Love uh, uh, behaves itself uh, in, in an appropriate manner. Uh, love seeks the benefit of others uh, rather than seeking its own benefit. It looks to be a blessing and be a help to others. Uh, love isn't provoked easily. Um, it takes a lot. If, if, you, if you really love somebody like you should, it, it should take an awful lot to get you upset with that individual. Uh, it, it doesn't think evil of someone. Uh, it gets some information and it gives them the benefit of the doubt before it, it jumps to conclusions and jumps to evil surmisings. And then last of all, it rejoices not in iniquity. It does not rejoice in sin. And it doesn't rejoice in sin even when the enemy falls. Um, you know, uh, one, one of the things that shows that you're, you're properly loving someone is when they're going through uh, a difficulty, but they've treated you lousy, and your heart starts breaking for them. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's the kind of attitude that we ought to have toward others. If someone offends me, if somebody uh, really uh, has said something or done something that has greatly offended me and greatly hurt me, my problem is not what they said or what they did. My problem is I don't love them enough. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time you did that? That when somebody really got you upset or, you know, set you off a little bit, rather than get upset with them, you inspected your own heart. And you took a look on the inside and said, you know what? I'm probably upset because I don't love them like I should. Uh, you forgot to love them more than you love yourself. The third thing that uh, he says to do in order not to be easily offended is found in verses 18 through 25. If you look in verse 18 with me, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. 
But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not, if I had not done among them the works which none other man uh, did, they, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, understand who he's talking to. He's talking to uh, 11 guys. Uh, of course, Judas, Judas uh, has, has already betrayed him. And uh, he's talking to, to those who are going to be martyred, who are going to be killed for the most part. John, John was not. But uh, all the others, uh, historically, we find, were, were martyred, were killed for the faith. And he's, he's letting them know ahead of time. He's saying, look, you know, uh, we've, got this, we've got this idea that it's our job as Christians to make sure that everybody loves us. Can I tell you, when Jesus came to this earth, he said, I come not to bring peace. He said, but I come to bring a sword. Now, he wasn't saying that he was on purpose trying to, to uh, get people to go up against each other. He's just saying the truth divides. And when, when people get a hold of the truth and it starts changing their lives, it will offend other people. Let it offend them, but make sure you don't get offended when they respond wrongly. Uh, in other words, expect opposition. He's telling me, he's saying, listen... There's some folks that are going to hate your guts. And it's not because they first hated you. They first hated the Father, then they hated me, and now they hate you. And so, he said, so they said, he said, uh, expect opposition. Don't be surprised when the world comes down on you. Uh, they hated Christ. If you, if, you follow, if you follow him, how will they treat you? Well, they'll do the same thing, just as they hated him. They'll, they'll, they'll hate you as well. Truth divides. Truth offends people. Uh, but stick with truth regardless. Now, do so properly. Don't do so with an attitude. Don't do so with a chip on your shoulder. Uh, you know, I've, again, I've met Christians, and I've, and I've had that attitude from time to time, where, <clears throat> where because I'm right, I think I can have an attitude toward you because you're wrong. Well, no, I'm still supposed to love you. Uh, you know, that came before the expect the, expect the opposition. Uh, he says, love one another. And then he said, but, but expect to be opposed. <laughs> Don't necessarily always expect to get loved back. And, and how should you respond? Well, you, you ought to love them. Uh, Bible says, uh, be not overcome of evil, Romans 12. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the only way you can do it. You can never overcome evil with revenge. 
you can never overcome evil with comeuppance. The only way you're going to overcome evil is to overcome evil with good. Uh, be, you know, have your response be far and above what their response was to you. And, and in Jesus' attitude is shown just by the attitude he had to his persecutors. He's on the cross. He's dying for the sins of the world. Uh, he's totally, completely innocent uh, because he's God. He's God in the flesh. And understand this, that, that uh, he, never, he never not only did anything wrong, he never thought anything wrong. He never even considered sinning. And yet they had him on the cross and they were crucifying him and they were gnashing their teeth and they hated him. How did he respond? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have toward those that oppose us and oppose, oppose the truth. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's real easy to take it personal. But God says, listen, remember, it's not you that they hated first. They first hated the Father, then they hated the Son, and now they're pouring out their wrath on you because, because truth divides and truth offends. Another thing that, that uh, the Lord Jesus told them so that they would not be offended is uh, down in verse 26. He says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He, he sent him a comforter. He sent them a comforter. And and, of course, the Comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. Everyone who is saved has the Spirit of God in them. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's speaking to save people. That's not true of everyone. That's only true of those that have trusted Christ as Savior. But it says that our body is the temple of the Spirit. He gave us the Spirit of God. And he gave us the Spirit of God so that we could have strength, so that we could have wisdom, so we could have guidance, so we could have direction. Uh, throughout the book of John in particular, uh, there's quite a few passages that details the work of the Holy Spirit. He's to lead us and to guide us uh, into all truth. And uh, he gives us strength day by day. But one of the things that he does that is so unusual is that he gives comfort. You know, you, you think about this. Uh, he, could have, he could have called the Holy Spirit a myriad of names. He could have called him the convictor <laughs> because the Bible says he, he, he uh, uh, you know, convicts us of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And, uh, and, and it, there's been many times when I've had the Holy Spirit of God convict me about my sin when nobody else knew that God was even dealing with me, it was just me and God. But that's the Holy Spirit of God doing that. He could have called him the convictor, but he didn't. He didn't. He could have called him the director because he, he directs our steps and, and, and helps us uh, know where to go. He, uh, he could call him uh, a, uh, uh, a leader and a guide to truth, but he didn't. He called him the comforter. And, and uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a comfort 
to know that God has a desire to comfort us and expect your comfort to come from God. And I believe really what, what he's telling them, and he just got done telling them that, that uh, people are going to misunderstand what you're doing, people are going to get offended, people are going to get mad, people are going to get upset. But when you need comfort, don't look for your comfort to come from people. Why? Because they'll fail you. <laughs> they'll fail you every time. Uh, they'll not reach your level of expectation. Why is that? Well, because oftentimes, uh, oftentimes I'm convinced, people are hurting in ways that other people don't even know. Uh, I've talked to many of you that have gone through a myriad of problems and difficulties in your life. That's one of the blessings about being in a church for as long as we've been here. It's, it's just simply because we get to know folks and we get to walk through problems with you. And, and uh, you know, last night, about 11 o'clock, Nick called me and, and told me about Ezra. Uh, man, uh, you know, it touched my heart immediately. Uh, I'm glad I could be there for him. I'm glad I could pray with a family. Uh, his uh, father-in-law came in and shook my hand and said, thanks for, for coming and attending to the family. But listen, <clears throat> what I can do as an individual is limited. What the Spirit of God can do when it comes to comfort is unlimited. And he can get down into the innermost steps of the heart and minister in ways that no individual can. Uh, God, God, does God use people to comfort? Sure he does. Take your Bibles and, and just keep your finger here in John, but go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Look down in verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are, are comforted of God. In other words, what he's saying is, is that he puts us through stuff so that we can, we can hurt, come to him, and get the comfort that is necessary from God. And then when somebody else is hurting, we can go and we can minister to them because we've already had God comfort us and we can point them to the God of all comfort, but we can also be there and be a comfort to them. But understand that the level on which, and I, and I think this will really help you, um, if, if you realize that, we're always going to come short because we're people, okay? We're not God. We can't get inside of the heart. We're always going to come short. Um, there's not a time when I'm, when I'm called to the hospital in an emergency-type situation or I get a phone call about a death or what. There's not a time when I am at a loss for words. I, there's oftentimes I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I just don't. Uh, have I been there? Yes. 
Uh, have, I, have I had things like that happen in, in my life? Yes. But, but uh, you know, when you're facing somebody who's, who's got a situation like that, what, what do you tell them? Well, one of the best things you can tell them is there's a God who cares for you. There's a God who took care of me when I was hurting. And one of the best ways we can comfort someone else is let them know that God comforted me and I had that assurance that God will comfort you. And that's really what, what the Lord Jesus is doing. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's uh, letting them know that their comfort is going to come first and foremost from God. You know, you think about this. When Paul and Silas were uh, unjustly accused and thrown into the Philippian jail, they had just been beaten and their backs were raw. And yet the Bible says they sang and gave praises to God in the night. And, the, of course, the jailer heard that, and the, the end result was eventually the jailer trusted Christ as Savior. But, but let me ask you something. Who comforted Paul and Silas? wasn't the jailer, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, who was it? Well, it was God. God comforted them. And there was a comfort that they received. I mean, you re every time I read that story, and I read that they were praising God and singing, uh, you know, at, at night, even though they had backs that were, that were, were bloody and bruised, uh, they had that comfort because that comfort came from God. You know, who comforted, who comforted the Apostle Paul when he uh, got the thorn in the flesh? Who comforted the Apostle Paul when he was in shipwrecks and, and when he had 39 stripes and when he was stoned outside of Lystra? Now, yeah, his friends were there to help him, but the comfort that he got, he got from God. And expect God to comfort you. If you expect man to, to comfort you and to be what you need, you're going to be sadly disappointed and you're going to get offended. Uh, years ago, we were in Green Bay and there was a fellow that was attending our church. He was a member of the church. And uh, he uh, did some farm work. And, and uh, he was in a silo one day, and he fell in the silo, fell quite a few feet, and uh, injured himself pretty seriously. He ended up in the hospital. Some folks went to see him. I think our church sent him some flowers or something, did something for him. But uh, about, a, I don't know, six months, a year, something like that later, we had, a, we had, like we do around here, had a preaching post. And he signed up for it. And... Uh, he took that entire amount of time that he had and basically went to a, a Bible verse about loving folks and uh, just beat the congregation over the head saying, you did not minister to me the way that you should have ministered to me. And I mean, just, you know, railed on everybody for, for all that time. You know what the problem was? He expected his comfort to come from people. It's, you're, the, the biggest amount of comfort that you need isn't going to come from man. It's going to come from God. In fact, when man tries to comfort you, sometimes he'll stumble, he'll fall, he'll do it wrong. You know, expect it. Expect it. But God will never do it wrong because he's the comforter. That's who he is. That's what he does. And if you, if, if you know uh, you know, and, I, and I, I'm convinced, too, that one of the reasons why we go through those kind of situations where we need that deep comfort from, that only God can give us 
uh, we go through those kind of situations because we need to learn how to get close to God, how to get a hold of God. Uh, you know, I've had situations in my life where I just threw up my hands and said, God, I have no idea where to go from here. I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what, de what decision uh, should be made in this situation. And uh, those are the times that, that uh, God desires to get close to us, to lead us, to guide us, and direct us. And he will, because he's the God of all comfort. And then the, I said six, there's, there's actually five things. Uh, the fifth thing, so that means we're going to be a little shorter, so praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, look down at verse 27. Verse 27, it says, uh, uh, in, in John 15, it says, Ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. The last thing he leaves them with is he says, be a witness, bear witness. And again, he's getting ready to, to go to the cross. Uh, you realize he said that to Peter. And shortly after this, Peter ends up around a fire and rather than being a witness for God, three times he denies that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ or his disciples. And uh, so he's, he's trying to get them ready. He's trying to prepare them. And he's telling them to, to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, bear witness of me. Uh, a broken heart for the lost is hard to offend. If, if you care for lost people, if, if, if you love them the way that we ought to love them, and if we have a burden for them the way that we ought to have a burden, it's hard to be offended. We looked at Jonah this morning, and what was Jonah's problem? Well, he just didn't have the, the heart of God on the matter. He didn't, you know, he didn't have love, and he didn't have a burden for, for, uh, for the people that he was sent to minister to. And when you have a broken heart for the lost, it's hard for those lost people to turn around and offend you. Uh, when we're busy in the work and we're busy being a witness for him, uh, we don't have time to hold grudges. Uh, you know, you just don't, you don't have time to get offended and upset. Uh, when, you, when you witness a lot, what happens is God teaches you how to handle rejection. I, I, I remember the very first time I ever went door knocking in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And, and uh, this was back in the early 70s. And Pastor Keck took one side of the street, and I took the other side of the street. And uh, we would go literally, uh, I say Pastor Keck, back then it was Bob Hart. Bob Hart was on one side of the street, and I was on the other. And uh, we, would, we would cover the street, and we would knock on doors and, and try to be a witness and tell people about the church that we were starting and, and so forth. And... Uh, uh, when, when we did it, it was, it was, it was uh, natural, and we, we got to the point where we were almost expected to get a door slammed in our face. Uh, you know, we, we would knock on the door, they'd, they'd crack it open, we'd tell them who we were, and they'd say, I'm Catholic, I'm Lutheran, I'm whatever, and they, they, would, they would slam the door and shut it. You know what? That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's bad for them. But it's not bad for you. You know why? Because it toughens you up. <laughs> you know? You say, well, I went, I went to such and such an area. Well, we went door to door tonight. And, uh, and you know, uh, 
Boy, the people were nasty. Good. Good. That's good for you. It teaches you to get tough. It teaches you to let that stuff roll off you. Listen, if you love them the way you should, it won't stop you from going the next week. You know what our problem is? Our problem is we don't love them the way we should. And, and if we love them like we should, we'll bear witness. Over in Psalm 119, this is a verse that years ago God brought to my attention. Psalm 119, and you know the psalm, you probably didn't even know the verse. Psalm 119, 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing shall offend them. You know what that does? On one hand, I like that verse because it's encouraging, but I don't like that verse because it's convicting. <laughs> and it's convicting because it wipes out all my excuses. <laughs> all the reasons why I might have thin skin and all the reasons that I might, might be offended are wiped out. Why? Because great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Six, there are five things that uh, God, God, uh, Lord Jesus told his disciples that they, they need to, to work on in order to uh, not be offended in the work that they're called to do. And by the way, uh, people being offended, if you don't attend to that thing, then eventually you'll be a dropout. I've watched it over and over again. Well, so-and-so said such-and-such such to me, and I got offended, and I left the church. I can't tell you how many times I've heard something along those lines. So-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that. What's the problem? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If I abide in Christ, if I love others, if I expect opposition to come and then expect the comfort after the opposition to come from God and not from man and then bear witness of, of Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstances, then I will not be offended. How about you? What does it take to get you upset? What does it take to, to cause you to be, to be offended and Hurt and sometimes you know, and again, you see, you watch folks that are so deeply hurt, and then you hear what they got hurt about. And nine times out of ten, it's just a stupid, dumb thing. It really is. What's the problem? Great peace have they, which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for the plainness of your word. And I'm thankful for the convicting power that it has. Uh, so many times you have taken the verses that we have read tonight and used them in my own life personally. Lord, uh, you've, you just don't, you don't give us any excuse for having thin skin. You have, give us no excuse for being easily offended. Uh, Father, help us tonight to look at uh, these, these things that we need to be doing in our lives on a regular basis. And most of them are really our attitudes. They start with attitudes. And if we have the right attitude toward you and we abide in Christ, 
We have the right attitude about opposition, and we have the right attitude about comfort, and we have the right attitude about loving one another. It'll change how easily we get offended. So, Father, I just pray that you'd work on our hearts tonight. Do, do, a, do a work and help us, God, to make some decisions tonight that count for you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.